All right, welcome to my Commissioner Evaluation Podcast. I'm John McGlynn. You can find me on the Twitter machine at John McGlynn75. Like to thank my good friend and neighbor Nick Script at P2W Fantasy for letting me use the StreamYard and YouTube to produce these hopefully heated divisional debates. Today I plan to have some fun in part eight of this eight fight eight part series, the final chapter of this awesome series I've been doing. It's been great. So I got some uh, awesome guests today. We had a last minute cancellation, so I will be taking the 49ers. But I have Justin Taylor, uh, fellow Scott Fishbowl Division Three stud like Kyle and myself. You get to fire up the Arizona Heat on these guys and roast them in this division debates. Tell me about yourself, what you do, what's going on. Uh, yeah, former high school football coach uh, for many years. Also former sports writer, music, entertainment writer. Uh, in my younger years, now I am an entrepreneur. I own a couple bars and restaurants and a brewery and a barbecue joint. So I do fancy football for fun and on the side, even though I basically do it all the time. So. Yeah, we're at we're at the fishbowl, and uh, you know it's it's a bar, so they serve beer and food and all this stuff. And somebody comes walking in with this big cooler full of beer, you know, and it you know it's it's kind of a no no in Chicago to like bring beer on beer to Chicago in, into a bar and a big bar like that. But I'm like, hey, whatever. But it, it was awesome. Their beer was great. So yeah, JT Brew had I see you representing your, represent the product. It was good stuff. It was much appreciated. Yeah, by the way, I was trying not to step on their toes, but I wanted guys to be able to take a beer with them home after the after the live draft. I didn't want to short anybody because I always bring beer to all my live drafts for fantasy sports, so everybody kind of expects me to always have some in hand. Yeah, it was great. I uh, I took full advantage of the free beer. After. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm good at. So, <laughs> Dan Cook, the Seahawks are not the Marshawn Lynch Legion of Boom. Super Bowl contenders that we remember from the, you know, and the 12th man might be pretty quiet for a while during this rebuild time. But uh, fly this team to division debate victory for all the Hawks fans out there. What's going on with yourself? Where do you come down a pipeline? What are you guys up to? Where can they find you on Twitter? All that kind of stuff. Um, at Seahawks Dan 8. So uh, I'm obviously a Seahawks fan. Couldn't tell. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't really do much writing or podcasting anymore. I used to be. Uh, the, the host of IDP Nation and uh, Debbie IDP Grind. Uh, I handed the ball off to Daryl, and he uh, he's run with that with uh, with my boy, uh, another Kyle Kyle B. Uh, and he uh, they they've been running the show over there. I got to jump on there, I guess, before the end of the summer. Uh, but I'm a teacher, so I'm uh, now living my best summer life, and uh, I got about a couple more weeks of that. Enjoy so, uh, it. I, I, I do run eliminators uh, that are that if you check out my profile, you can sign up for. Uh, they they go to autism charities, uh, the proceeds. So if you want to get some drafting done here in the last month, we, we uh, got some for you. Nice, very good. Kyle A, I guess you're Kyle A. Kyle August, friend of the show, friend in real life, multiple home league foe, including the Chicago's Fishbowl Division Three with Justin and myself. You got a tough. You have the tough task of representing the defending Super Bowl champions. Hope you can ram this team to a division debates title tonight. Tell me about yourself. What you got going on? Your good, your awesome show, and and uh, where you, where everybody can find you at. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me on here. It's always good hanging out with you and chatting. Uh, I'm not a Rams fan, but I'm happy to defend this uh, very hopeless franchise here, coming off of a Super Bowl champ championship. As a Dallas Cowboys fan, I will probably never be in this position to defend the Super Bowl champion. So. Uh, I'll just live this one up while I got it, but I uh, appreciate having me on, John. You can, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Kyle month eight. Uh, I'm obviously a fan of the eighth month. So that's my Twitter handle. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, man, just fired up the podcast again for the first time in a few months. Uh, hadn't taken a week off of having a show for many years. Uh, and it was nice, to be honest with you, to take the summer off. Uh, but it was awesome to be back podcasting again. So I host the Fantasy Football Smackdown. Uh, you can find that on the Dynasty Warzone feed. So if you just search Dynasty Warzone and whatever podcast app you enjoy, uh, you'll find the Smackdown, a ton of other great shows there. Uh, as well so looking forward to having some fun through the month of august getting everybody set for their redraft leagues it's not a four-letter word it's still good stuff uh and then uh, i'll be doing some waiver wire stuff throughout the year so you gotta gotta hop on that but uh that's really it man no writing for me these days off of that game uh, a couple podcasts a week is good for me but uh just love talking football man so pumped to be here yeah i was telling dan before the show some of these guys you know, they're pumping out articles, three or four articles a day. I'm like, it would take me three days to write an article. And then I see that you get like a thousand views and you get four or five dollars or something like that. I'm like, yeah, it's no way. Not for me, man. <laughs> it's not worth the time. I can't do it. Yeah. But I will be taking the four niners. And uh, we had a last minute cancellation. So I got stuck taking the team that beat Dan Marino, my guy in the Super Bowl and his only appearance uh, that I've every every I cannot go an entire football season without someone making fun of me about Dan Marino's ring uh, cabinet and, you know, all this. While Dan Marino's not the best quarterback, he never won a Super Bowl. So I'll do my best to make sure that these guys look bad. And uh, that's 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 the least I could do for this community here. But uh, we'll <laughs> we'll start out here with uh, some NFL news and events. Matt Stafford is dealing with some tendon issues in his throwing elbow. We've been talking about that on a Scott Fishbowl chat recently about how this could be a terrible thing for this franchise if this if this be, ends up being a serious problem. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl, the defending Super Bowl champs may not be back in the Super in the big game with uh, without a healthy quarterback. Deontay Johnson signed a two-year contract extension. Deshaun Watson six-game suspension being appealed by the NFL. The Dolphins got forfeited first round pick, first and third round picks for tampering and uh, telling the coach to, you know, throw games, but they can't say that was the real reason why they got their picks taken away. Marquise Brown arrested on criminal speeding charges. Uh, we all like to speed a little bit, but when you're in the NFL, you can't do that kind of stuff. You got to be a a, mo- uh, a good citizen. <laughs> uh, Tim Patrick suffered an a- season-ending ACL injury. Talk about a guy who had a lot of. Uh, uh, hype going into this season as a third wide receiver on that team. Now that kind of sucks to see this shit happen. Um, Van Jefferson undergoing knee surgery, another under under the radar player that a lot of people have as a sleeper, but we'll see. Amer- uh, Alvin Kamara's court date has uh, been delayed for the next two months. This might be a situation where he might get to play the entire season, but they, if they end up in the playoffs and something comes up, or if a video pops up anywhere of him doing whatever to whatever he did to whoever, you know, it could be an instantaneous get off the field kind of thing. But if you got Kamara, fire him up while you, while you got him. It might not last long, but Isaiah Spiller taking first team reps in camp. Um, you know, that's a lot of hearsay. A lot of the camp talk is camp talk, but whatever. Gus Edwards, my guy. I've always waited for the Gus Edwards breakout, but it's never going to happen. He might miss a big chunk of the season because of his knee. Debo Samuel could miss a uh, – I'm sorry. Debo Samuel agrees to a contract extension with the 49ers. Uh, that's – you know, it's incentivized him – complaining about his running and rushing and all that stuff. Now it's incentivized that he can get extra money if he does run for so many yards. So if they're going to use him as a gadget player, at least he's going to get rewarded as a gadget player. Jacoby Brissett taking first team snaps with the team. That's, you know, it is what it is. He'll be the starter. Mason Rudolph has a great shot at starting. Kenny Pickett and Mr. Biscuit are struggling in camp. Wondell Robinson, who I've drafted about every 
dynasty rookie draft I've been in is uh, camp standout, but everybody's a camp standout in in, uh, in camp. Michael Gallup unlikely to be ready for week one. We kind of already took that, already knew that. DK Metcalf contract extension, and then Romeo Doves getting the re- great rave reviews and camps from Aaron Rodgers, who uh, usually hates rookies, but this is uh, might be a change here. Might be something different. We'll see what happens. That's pretty much the news. Any other news I missed, you guys? Looks like you hit most of it. Yeah, it's I, I had, there's a thousand snippets coming out every day. I'm trying to take the somewhat important stuff, but I don't think any of that was important anyway. I just <laughs> I just had to get up and say it. So uh, I've been busy scheduling uh, my home league drafts, uh, and some of them turn into White Sox games or garage parties or two a.m. a.m. bar closures. Uh, so I'm making schedules, setting up free agency, roster cuts, making trades, working on it, working a ton of overtime at work, and trying to keep a wife and four kids happy at the same time. It's kind of awesome, you know, being me right now. So it's, <laughs> it's fun. This is what it's all about. That's why you do this kind of stuff. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't do that kind of stuff. This is, this is my hobby. I take it seriously. I do the best I can to, to you know, put a good effort in across the board. That's why I run these leagues. And uh, it's, it's awesome. What's new? What are you guys doing as far as uh, stuff around the house? Draft wise, life wise, Kyle. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I, I was just hanging out with you. What last Sunday? Rookie draft, last uh, rookie draft of the season. So, uh, met up with uh, a handful of guys from uh, one of our home leagues that you put together. So, uh, it was great to catch up with everybody. And you know, most of the, most of the guys are you know at least half hour apart from each other. So we all made it work and got it done. And and uh, definitely, uh, I'm, I'm sad to see rookie season go. But you know, like I said, I got, got a lot of redrafts coming up. So that's always fun. But yeah, man, that's it. Just it around this time. Summer's kind of widened down just a little bit and uh, football season's right around the corner. So that that's pretty much it, man. I'm just looking forward to some some live drafts. I, these guys were talking before about having a hard time sometimes getting getting leagues together. Um, sometimes you got to cut your losses and and, and uh, get as many there as you can. I got one league that we make it mandatory that you got to at least have a representative there. So we are setting up those final details today, getting that spot reserved at a local establishment so uh yeah man it's it's been uh it's been a great summer but looking forward to football season did they have big guinnesses there or did you have to drink <laughs> yeah big big john literally they had john complained so much that this bar that the guinnesses were too tiny that they sent the bartender over to <laughs> explain to him that they were the right they were correct amount of ounces so it was pretty funny <laughs> they, um, you know they said it's like you want a regular size guinness or a large guinness i'm like well Duh, you know, let's, I mean, a large Guinness is over, you know, so they, they come over with a 16 ounce Guinness. I'm like, all right, I thought this was a regular Guinness. I've never seen Guinness. I'm like, what are you, supposed to, an eight ounce Guinness, like a small one or something? Or like, I was thinking, I was expecting like a 32 ounce Guinness. I'm like, this is going to be great. Yeah. But no, it was a 16 ounce Guinness. It's fine, but I just don't advertise as a large when that's like the norm, you know? My, my other favorite part of that draft was that everyone was like, you brought a draft board, like you, like a good commissioner, it was for a rookie draft, but we still, you still had the draft board there. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we should use it. You asked. And they were like, yeah, let's use it. Let's use it. Like, all right, fine. They used it for like two and a half rounds of the rookie draft and then just stopped using it. So uh, John and I were the last two people there. And he's like, these Jagoffs wasted a draft board. <laughs> so we've, we peeled all the we peeled all the stickers off it so that he could reuse it somewhere else because yeah. it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't like paper. So it worked out just fine. But... <laughs> That was that was pretty that was pretty funny. I've never had to do that before. So a draft got dot com board. Yeah, those guys are awesome. There you go. But, uh, yeah, I got a bunch of other like uh, you know in in uh, friends like redraft leagues around their house. I really don't count those as like competitive leagues because it's like my kids and my wife, and then they're just 
you know, they, they make these trade they make these trades with each other. They're like, I'll trade you DJ Moore for the Patriots backup kicker. Uh, and they're like, that was a fair trade. He scores more points last week. I'm like, yeah, well, DJ Moore was hurt, you know, so that's <laughs> like, I've been playing this for a long time. I can kind of see the, uh, what's going on here, but they think they're all, they're all slick, but that's what those boards are for regurgitated boards. So how about you, JT? Tell me about the restaurant. Yeah, things are going pretty good. It's been pretty busy here with, uh, uh, Summers, everybody's going on vacation, so we're getting ready to school kick back in, and we always get a big rush once football starts and school's back in session. So getting ready to go there, so that's good. Getting the the brewery back up and running full because we, you know, with COVID and stuff, we were closed down for most of two years. So been working on this last year, trying to get everything back up and running full there. So it's it's moving, it's good. Uh, Obviously, draft season's great. Been drafting nonstop, rookies like you guys all all summer long. But uh, just getting, like I said, just trying to get everybody scheduled in for these live home leagues. And uh, we always get a at a buddy make a big board, dry erase board that's about eight million pounds, and we haul that around all my bar, each of my bars, and we do the drafts there. So we. Little little pro tip for some people out there. Say, so well, I do is I hire one of my waitresses, and they write all the names on the board, and then get us all drinks, and we all tip her. Way better when you do that than instead of us having to stand up there and write the names up or put them on a on a sticker board. Just just a little pro tip: hire a waitress from your local bar and have her do it. Throw her some money from every player. Way more enjoyable that way. Uh, but that's what we do. So getting all that stuff set up. I was just saying. I think I had to warn my girlfriend. I think I have two to three live drafts every weekend for the next four weeks, every Saturday and Sunday. So I just told her they be, be aware that I am going to be gone all day, every day, pretty much every weekend doing live drafts. And she's already given me, give me the look like, Oh, here we go. Now it, now it begins. Cause I've already been doing drafts on my phone all summer. So she's like, but now I got all my live drafts coming up for the leagues I've been in for 10, 15, 20 years. But uh, yeah, just, getting into more Devi and CT, uh, uh, C2C leagues this year. So pumped about those right in the middle of a C2C 45 man draft. Uh, currently right now we're around round 26. So pumped about that, uh, big college fan. So I like to kind of see that from a college town. So, uh, like to get to get in the college stuff. So it's, it's been fun. Uh, definitely doing that. Uh, the Scott fishbowl live draft in Chicago was awesome. Uh, that was great. And I've got a couple other, I'm in the Scott fishbowl satellite one right now. We're in about the last round of that. And I'm in another uh, charity auction one that we're just kind of finishing up that too. So. Outstanding. I, I joined a, a campus can't leave this year with like Jeff Bell and Christian Williams. And I, you know, I'm like, I am like, I, I'm going to get smeared in this league. It's all professionals. And I don't even watch college football minus Notre Dame games on Saturday once in a while. So I have no idea who anybody's at. So I just did like a trending for college football, like the top 500 players. And like my mind is completely just scrambled now on people's names. I have no, I'm like, what did I just do to my head? I, <laughs> I can't remember half the, the, the pros pro players anymore because of how much stuff I had to like write down and memorize and try to look at. It's, it's, it's terrible when jumping into that. I hope in a year or two, I'll have this all straightened down and I'm sure it'll be awesome for my rookie drafts, but uh, it's kind of tough making that transition right from the get go. Yeah. We always laugh at me. Cause I, uh, I went to, as everyone says, a million different universities and colleges. I think I went to four in my time. So I'm a big Homer. So I'm in there picking guys from Syracuse and Missouri and San Diego state. I love the West coast guys, Illinois, uh, grew up in Champaign university of Illinois. So me and my, uh, 
uh, co-owner, we're just drafting all the guys from those schools and all the guys I know. He's like, I'm like, oh, we got to get this rookie or this uh, freshman San Diego State four-star. He's probably not going to play it all this year, but he's going to be a stud. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's just going with me on all these college <laughs> names. He's like, I don't really know that guy, but I'm like, oh, I looked him up. He's going to be great. And, and I'm talking to him in all these Missouri players. And he's like, yeah. isn't Missouri going to be bad? I'm like, oh, they're all young guys, though. We're going to get them for three or four years on this team. They're going to blow up eventually. He's just like, he's laughing at me he's like i guess man whatever you think so just go with it and i'll throw in a senior here and there on a on a random team but it's gonna be funny because our team we're gonna end up about seven or eight teams where we're double stacking every position uh, <laughs> but that it, but it's fun well at least we'll watch the guys we know and like so we'll be rooting for them besides jeff george who's the last offensive offensive player from illinois that actually made the pros <laughs> Oh, Aurelius Ben was probably the last one that actually was like semi good in the pros. I mean, he had a couple years where he was okay. He wasn't super fantasy relevant, but uh, Illinois has been uh, really struggling to turn out any kind of offensive weapons the the last couple years. They've been pretty terrible of late. They got some young good guys on the team now, uh, some pretty good running backs, but they don't have a lot of guys that are big pro prospects. They've actually turned out way more defensive players in yeah. the last couple of years, a couple of cornerbacks, a couple of safeties, Nate Hobbs uh, from Raiders. Um, I'm blanking. Uh, Joseph uh, was a second round pick, I think, this year at safety. So they've had some really solid defensive players, but man, they have had terrible quarterback play for about a decade now, and they can't seem to, to pull anybody together. Sleeper, Isaiah Williams out of St. Louis, used to be a QB, switched to wide receiver last year, and was actually pretty solid in his first year playing wide receiver. He's kind of a sleeper pick. For people doing Debbie and stuff, uh, uh, if they can actually get some decent quarterback play, DeVito transfers from Syracuse. Uh, there he's a senior. If he actually plays even decent, uh, Williams could actually have a pretty good year. Yeah, I played head to head versus Simeon Rice when he went to Mount Carmel. They had uh, Simeon Rice, and uh, you know they had three or four people that, on that team that had gone to the pros, like you know and, uh, Chris Calloway, uh, Donna McNabb was a backup quarterback for that. Yep. You know, it was like what the hell? This is. It, it was like a – it was crazy. The team was absolutely awesome. So I, I had like three weeks in a row I played against Ronaldo Wynn from the Jaguars, Simeon Rice from uh, Mount Carmel, who went to Tampa Bay. And, you know, just – it was like a – every week I played in that Chicago Catholic League was like, all right, great. Here's a six foot nine, you know, 260-pound dude just going to smack me. I played left tackle and they all played right end. I'm like, this is going to be great. Awesome. Who's going to block that guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Uh, that's, I went to a smaller school, so we didn't play many guys that ended up making the pros. Probably the uh, most well-known would be uh, P.J. Fleck, Minnesota's head coach. Played against him in the playoffs. He's from Chicago as well. I think he yeah. went to – I can't remember where he went, but he's he's from there, went to Northern. But he's probably one of the, one of the few guys that are actually at, at the pro level in some way that I actually played against in high school. So. Yeah, I played against Eric Johnson, too, and his kid just got drafted. That's how old I am. His kid just got drafted by the Colts in round five of the NFL draft this year. So we're, uh, you know, that means my my AARP card's in the mail sometime soon, you know. (laughs) Dan, how about you? Uh, Not much. Getting ready to go on vacation in a couple days. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Going to go down to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, should be a good time. Uh, The the drive I'm not looking forward to. It's about nine hours or so. But, uh, yeah, it's a nice drive once you get out of Illinois. It's pretty cool. It's, the scenery gets pretty nice. The further south you go down Illinois, the better it looks. So, yeah, I'm driving from PA. So, we're driving, I think, through West Virginia. We might clip Kentucky. And, uh, 
something like that. Yeah. I'll be in Virginia in two weeks for my daughter's lacrosse tournament. So we've been to 43 states already with my kids, uh, with all this lacrosse and, you know, yeah. everything else. It's it's crazy. It's nice to see the America in a car, you know, but yeah. uh, it gets expensive after a while. My wife likes to, to go someplace new every year, so we, we kind of check off everything states as we go. She's like, yeah. Try the like, kitchen. Uh, well, in, in, Philly, <laughs> in, in Philly, it's like, let's go to the shore. And it's either Wildwood or uh, or Ocean City or Sea Isle or something like that. So, yeah. uh, and we did that in our early 20s, you know, but now it's like, we need to go see some different stuff. The the out of all those places we've been to the like the um, Utah Wyoming that kind of stuff that's my favorite part of America. It's just it's everything good. everything there is absolutely awesome to see. You know, so the redwoods are cool in California, but that that Utah Wyoming place is probably Bryce Canyon in Wyoming is probably my favorite place in the, in the United States that I've seen so far. So, all right, well let's start talking about football. We got the quarterback position here. We're going to. Uh, we're going to um, talk about these divisional debates. We're going to go position by position. First thing we're going to do is start with quarterback position and talk about the team starter. If it helps, you can use any backups or people waiting in the wing to uh, plead your case. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about the Seahawks. Dan, tell me about the uh, Seahawks and what they got going on here because this should be interesting. Save the best for first. <laughs> we have Geno Smith. All right, next. Uh, yeah, yeah, that pretty much can go. I mean, you know what? I, I as a as a fan, I, I just want them to start Drew Locke. Let him YOLO the ball all over the place. Be good for fantasy. Let him throw fifty picks. I really don't care. Just get the ball DK and lock it. And that's all we care about. Uh, yeah, it's been a ball control team with a good defense all the time, you know. And now they just, you know, they have a couple good receivers. They're running backs. Yeah, they're you know pretty decent. Uh, yeah. You know crappy quarterback but they don't have a defense to lean back on anymore so i don't know what the how they're going to play these games out not being able to score a million points with it with a if they're going to go geno smith just you know be a play a ball control offense that's not gonna when they get down big they might their, their best their best option might start out with geno smith and the second half to have drew lock come in there and just play yolo the whole second half and play catch yeah. up well uh it's either suck for stroud or uh bust for bryce is, is what i'm looking at so yeah uh, Let's, let's as, as a Mizzou guy, I love Drew Locke. I would love to see him just get one season, even if, like you said, even if he throws 50 picks, give him one year to just play the whole year and yeah. see what he can do. He was kind of a late bloomer at Mizzou. He's a guy who can throw the ball deep. He does throw the, a pretty good deep ball. Like, might as well let him chuck it up to Metcalf and, and lock it and see what happens. I mean, what that's can't get any worse. I, I don't I don't understand the whole thought process. You made the trade. Why wouldn't you just go lock and see if he's got anything? That's yeah. what I, I keep saying is is just Geno Smith, you know what he is already. Like just give the ball lock, you know. Your plan is probably to lose a good good share of games. I mean, you might not be admitting that, but I know you're competing every day and all that stuff that Pete Carroll likes to talk about. And, you know, every day is a competition, but just Pete let Carroll. Locke throw it. Pete Carroll is probably my least favorite human being on the planet Earth right now. So, I mean, I, I can't stand that guy. So I, it, it couldn't happen. The way he cheated and left USC and the, what he did there to, you know, it's to walk away with, it, with his head and, you know, his nose in the air, walk away from all that 
burning pile of rubbish that he left at USC, tore down the whole program, and then went to the NFL and let everybody else suffer for it. I, I just and then they cheated and they beat. That's the reason they beat Notre Dame that year. So I'm uh, I can't stand that guy. But I didn't really I'm feel glad he got me a Super Bowl and now he can go retire. Yeah, so. yeah, go take his shirt off in front of somebody else. Uh, whatever. <laughs> But, yeah, I think I'm losing this argument with the other three quarterbacks. I mean, you know, maybe like, they could produce better than Lance. Maybe. Maybe. That's the only chance they have. Or if uh, Stafford's elbow is really more messed up. than. Yeah, speaking of Stafford, Kyle, tell me about Stafford. Yeah, man, this is uh, obviously coming off the Super Bowl. Great 2021 season for the Rams. Uh he tied a career high with 41 touchdowns last year. It was actually only the third time when I looked this up, he had some close seasons, but it was only the third time in his career that he exceeded 30 touchdowns, which was kind of crazy, but he tied his career high with 31, just under 4,900 passing yards. Um, for fantasy though, obviously he doesn't run at all. So you're, you're talking about, he was uh, 11th amongst quarterbacks in points per game last year from a fantasy perspective. Uh, I think he can replicate that this year. I know losing, like Woods and OBJ, like so now, you know, getting Allen Robinson's good, but with the Van Jefferson news of his surgery and his own pitch count, which sounds like he's going to be on, yeah, I'd be a little bit hesitant, you know, right now. As far as like, you know, if you're a dynasty player, you know, it's it's tough to find QB. So you're kind of, he's the guy you're relying on. It is what it is, right? He's 34. He's tied to the Rams. He should be there a while. They, you know, they'll probably try to, they might be conservative with him early on in the season, but. You know, as a Cowboys fan, it was a shoulder, not an elbow, but Dak was on a pitch count last spring and he came out of that all right. Um, maybe the rest will will do Stafford enough good there. But I, I wouldn't, you know, Stafford is probably the second best quarterback in this division behind Kyler for fantasy. Um, if Lance hits, you know, on all cylinders, then then I think Stafford's the clear three just because, again, that rushing upside for those other two QBs is, is a big deal. But for me, assuming health for Stafford, I think he's going to be a solid top 10 guy but he doesn't have that like top five upside. You know, I don't know that you're going to have a bigger year than last season. And he, again, in points per game, he was just 11th. So the lack of rushing is a big deal for fantasy perspective. So I think he's, he's steady, um, but he just lacks that elite upside. Uh, the other point is will kind of lead into the next position. I won't jump too far ahead, but the Rams only had 10 rushing touchdowns last year. So I just don't see how that's going to happen again. Uh, I have some numbers uh, as far as the years before that. And yeah, I know Stafford makes a big, a big difference and they feel more comfortable putting in his hands when they get down the red zone with him and Cooper Cup. But I just see the touchdown passes coming down. He'll probably be somewhere in the 33 to 35 range. Uh, and that will keep him as a top 12 quarterback. But for redraft, I have him ranked at 10th um, with with room to move down if, if it's not sound like he's going to be ready to go at full strength by the start of the season. The polar opposite of that is what I have in the 49ers here, which if Trey Lance does get the starting job, He's averaging 100 yards a game, like six games, 603 yards passing. Yes, there's a rushing floor here, but 100 yards a game passing is not – I mean, that's that, – I don't know what's going to happen with the offensive West weapons on this team if that's, what's, if that's what we're up against. Now, I understand for fantasy football, it's a – you know, the rushing yards are, are fantastic because you get you, – generally speaking, you get for every 25 yards passing, you get one point. For every 10 yards rushing, you get one point. So it's a – I mean, it's a cheat code for fantasy, but in real life – yeah, I mean, he had a, what, a 50-some, 50 56% uh, completion percentage. That's, I mean, it's terrible. So I, I, Jimmy G's not gone yet, and some people had said that they're not going to be able to trade him. 
if they could somehow afford him, he's going to stick around and, you know, if they can't, nobody's going to trade him for that kind of contract, you know, especially with his, you know, he's throwing now, but his injury concerns are still a concern until they're not. So if they keep, if they keep Jimmy G and, you know, that's enough to bake Trey Lance for one more year, that'd be great. But I think they're doing, they're going to do whatever they possibly can to, to cut that money before the season, you know, get rid of them, make a deal with somebody, do whatever. But, uh, I, I just don't see the passing, the the volume of passing that you need to be a fantasy relevant quarterback, in you know, in Trey Lance. So yes, I like rushing, but I like throwing touchdowns too. Especially if you're in a, a lot of beginners that would start fantasy football with six games per passing touchdown, and you know, usually rushing touchdowns are six point two. But if you're not getting any passing touchdowns, that's going to be tough, uh, tough sledding. So, um, Justin, tell me about your boy Kyler Murray. I mean, I think Murray got to be the number one guy in this division. I mean, he that high upside on him. You know, we've seen it in the past. If he can stay away from injuries and actually play uh, and, and play full strength, I mean, the guy has a number one overall potential as a QB uh, with the rushing. I mean, two years ago, he had 800 yards rushing. It was down to more around 500 with the injuries last year. But I mean, if you can get 800 plus rushing yards out of him and he's been right at that 4,000 passing mark. He hasn't hit 4,000 yet in his career. Uh, I think he's been on pace a couple times and missed one or two games and just fell short of it. But if you get a guy like him, if he can somehow eclipse that 4,000 passing yards and he can get up in that 750, 800 rushing yards like he had two years ago. I mean, the guy's sky's the limit. He, we've seen it in the past. He runs for a bunch of touchdowns um, when they get close to the goal line. Last year was one of the, uh, a little bit of anomaly with uh, the running backs uh, put in some touchdowns as it mostly had been him in the past. Uh, and then surprisingly with how many points he's scored, um, he still has yet to have a real breakout year as far as passing touchdowns. Um, I think his, his career high is 26. So if, if you could bump him up into that low thirties, you get 44,000 yards out of him, low thirties, 700, 800 plus rushing yards. I mean, you're looking at top, top three, four, five guy for sure. And, and you're looking at possibly winning your league for sure. If he can stay healthy and stay on the floor, he's got the most talent he's ever had around him offensively. Um, so, I mean, I think the sky's the limit on him. Yeah, I don't, uh, I get it. I get it. I, I, he's a little bit small and he gets, you know, when he does get hit, there's that potential of beginning to forgetting hurt every play. We saw how he plays first of all, when he gets hurt, and second of all, when the new Call of Duty comes out, so that's uh, it <laughs> it became like a humongous joke around the internet. You know that stupid contract clause about him watching film and all that stuff. But what I mean, that's just a slap in the face for everybody, but uh, it, including himself. But uh, that's uh, he, I, he I got just, that taken out. He got that taken out now. He doesn't have to worry about it. He can play as much Call of Duty as he wants. I it's mean, fine. they they put it in there for a reason. Obviously, they don't just say like, hey. You know, we're just going to put that in there to put it in there. He must not have been studying film. He must, he must, he must have been some, doing something for him to say, "Hey, you got to sit in the office and watch film." I mean, that's probably the truth of it all. And then it became a public, you know, that it was, you know, Patrick Mahomes saying, "Oh, this is what it's like to be, uh, you know, minority in the NFL and all." It's like, no, it's because he's not studying film. Then they took it out and it. What's? Don't even address it anymore. Just let it go. It is what it is. Don't. Why are you? Yeah, you, I mean, you're gonna get those QBs that are just gonna study tape nonstop. You know, you're gonna have your Peyton Manning or Tom Brady's. But I, I would 
beg to say most guys in the NFL are probably not putting that much time in to watching film. They're doing it when they're at, you know, whatever their Zoom meetings or where else they're doing. But I would, I would say there's probably a lot of guys not out there doing a whole lot of extra on their own, especially the younger guys. Yeah. Um, I think more of the older guys have been in the league for a while and started, you know, they've got to get that little, you know, maybe their arms going out a little bit, having that little more reaction time by seeing film it helps you out a little bit. But I, I would doubt very many of these guys coming in out of college are watching loads and loads of film just because I, I, I just don't, I, I think it's probably happening more often than people would like to admit on their and own, just, especially I guess. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at team meetings and stuff, I can imagine that most of that stuff's covered. Like, hey, we're going to cover two, we're going zone, we're going, hey, this is what they're doing, this is what, watch out for this, watch out for so-and-so. At that point in time, when you've been in the NFL for a couple of years and you've been a successful NFL quarterback, I think you know how to read a defense pretty well. You know, it's it's kind of self-explanatory at that point in time. They can throw some wrinkles at you, but you literally have less than three seconds to throw the ball every time it snaps. So how much can you really watch to improve yourself? But, all right, so we're going to um, – we're going to move to the running back situation here. And uh, we got a, we got something to brag about here for you, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy about this because all Pete Carroll wants to do is run, 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 run. So uh, the way it looks, uh, you want Rashad Penny for the first five weeks until he gets hurt. And then it's going to be the Kenneth Walker show. And he'll be a rookie that – could very well be that championship piece that you need on your team because he's going to be the guy. I mean, we've seen DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, and they're bit players. They're good special teams guys. Uh, but uh, Walker's a real deal, and, uh, you know, he was uh, Michigan State's motor last year, and they had a very good, good team. He can catch. He can run. Uh, they did beef up the offensive line a little bit, so uh, – you know, the first pick was uh, was Cross, and then they brought in some free agents. So hopefully they can uh, get, get running downhill. Um, yeah, the unfortunate thing is uh, we might be behind in a lot of games. <laughs> That's the only downside. But then, you know, you got the screen passes. You know, Najee, Najee Harris was death by a million paper cuts last year because their quarterback couldn't throw the ball. So. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I think Kenneth Walker – Penny, I, I really like Penny, but he's never proven that he can actually stay healthy. And, uh, you know, Walker just looks like a tank. So. Yeah, they, I mean, the guys, like, I mean, even Chris Carson on that team, I mean, he's, he's retired now, obviously, but I mean, that's, they use that like battering ram mentality when you're, and you're, yeah. when you're a running team and that's what you do is just run, 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 run. And it's all between the, between the tackles. You're, it's going to happen. You're going to get hurt. It is what it is. Yeah. It's not, it's much easier to get out in a space and get a screen pass and run out of bounds than it is to run between the to run between the tackles. So I get it. It's, and it was sad about Chris Carson, but I'm kind of glad he didn't try to come back because neck injuries aren't something to mess with. You know, right. No, not at all. It's I think everybody saw the writing on the wall when that happened, that he wasn't going to uh, – he wasn't coming back. So They, they did him right, though. They, they, put, they designated him in a way that he still gets his money insurance-wise. So uh, – that was a nice gesture. It was. It right was. After a few years he was there. I mean, he was a he was a you know a fantasy stud for the couple of years he did play. So he sure uh, was. I mean, yeah, he was. He was, was a fan favorite too. I think everybody liked Chris Carson. You know, it's, it's it's sad to see that kind of stuff, especially for these young kids. This is their dream, and then to have it end like that, yeah, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. 
Yeah, he wasn't old. He was like I think twenty six, something like half him. my age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know he's uh, he's done, but you know it's yeah kind of territory. I mean, Kyle, tell me about the Rams. Yeah, I mentioned so I mentioned it early, like with Stafford that the Rams last season uh, that was Sean McVay's fifth season as the head coach of the Rams, and they had. 10 rushing touchdowns in 2021. Obviously, uh, the big difference here between the 2021 season and the years before was Jared Goff versus Matthew Stafford. So uh, you're going to trust that Cup-Stafford combo down in the red zone uh, more than we they maybe would have in previous years. But when you looked at the four years before uh, last season, three of those four years, they were top five in rushing touchdowns. They averaged just under 20 rushing touchdowns a season. This is an offense that's going to move the ball as long as Matthew Stafford is even 80%, right? If he's on a pitch count, this probably helps the running backs even more. But I, I think, you know, you have the injury question mark with Cam Akers. He came back. He played. You know, he was on the field. You can say that, you know, after battling back from it's just a tough injury for any NFL player, but especially a running back. I I think Akers still is going to be the lead back there. He should be given the opportunity. Really haven't seen it. I think he has like 150 total carries in his career. Like, we just haven't seen this guy given much opportunity. His rookie year injured last year, injured last year. I like Akers though in twenty in twenty twenty two. He's around fifteenth for me in my rankings. I think he should be a running back too with some decent upside because of the touchdown opportunity for him. When you look at Daryl Henderson, they loved him so much that they brought in Sonny Michelle last year, uh, and they gave Henderson a pretty decent shot at the beginning of the season. And then injuries just kind of made them go a different direction. Uh, when I looked at Henderson. Uh, first eight weeks of the season, that was seven games for the Rams. He averaged 17 and a half fantasy points per game, seven total touchdowns. Uh, and that included uh, two through the air. Really nice start to the season. Then after that, after from week eight onward, he only played in five games and he only saw 39 carries. Um, obviously pretty banged up there. But I think that Henderson, for me, you know, while Akers, I'm kind of looking in that range of, again, round 15th among running backs, if you're looking in redraft leagues right now and, and considering him a you know, a uh, uh, running back two with upside, mid running back two with upside in dynasty. For me, Henderson is somebody that I'm prioritizing as a as one of the best backups out there. My little flow chart here is I have if you consider AJ Dillon a backup, he's at the top of the list. I think he's the gold standard for backups um, in, among uh, running backs right now. But I have like Dylan, Tony Pollard, then Daryl Henderson, and I have those guys above of uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Melvin Gordon. Uh, that's kind of my my hierarchy there of backup running backs. Um, of number two guys on their team. So I think Henderson, honestly, is is a pretty decent value in redraft league, somebody that I'm trying to target. You can get for cheap in Dynasty. Um, I picked him up for uh, like an early third from somebody uh, just a couple, uh, like a week or so ago. And, you know, just take the shot on it. Uh, I think he's he's not going to be a, a game breaker by any means, but if Akers isn't 100%, they could work Henderson in. And again, you're looking at an offense that's going to be scoring points. Karen Williams from Notre Dame, fifth round pick. He's on the pup right now. Uh, he's the only other running back really that I think is worth mentioning here. Uh, he had foot surgery though in June. He coming off some really good years for Notre Dame, uh, 13 and 14 rushing touchdowns the previous two seasons, had 35 catches as well in, bo in both those seasons as well um, for uh, your, your, uh, your fighting Irish there, John. That's right. So I, I think, I think Williams is, you know, he's somebody that's get, he, he won't get any hype because he's not on the field. Um, but I think he's a, a deep, decent enough pass catcher could work his way in uh, to this offense. And with Akers entering his third season, um, 
you know, it, we could be looking at a different backfield, like most backfields, you know, you, you kind of give it like a year or two projection after that it new show in town. And I think that's going to be the case here. And so maybe Williams works his way into a, a role here late in the season. Uh, if you can find the field, but uh, he's just a, you know, he's a cheap flyer option at this point. So I don't, I wish I could tell you for sure out of acres engine, who's the guy uh, in 2022. I feel like it should be acres, but either way, there's a ton of upside here for, uh, for any of these running backs on the Rams. I mean, the rumorville going on right now is that it's going to be 50-50 split. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in that offense? It's the way it was last year to begin the season, so or midway through the season. So hmm. we'll see what happens. It's yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay with either way. Henderson is on almost every one of, every one of my teams for that. I think he's a fantastic running back. Uh, yeah, and Henderson, Henderson was really great to start off the year last year for a lot of people. If he was your yeah. RB2 or 3, if you had him as a guy like, hey, I got him later, I can maybe spot start him. He off, he actually got off to a really great start last year before he got banged up. Um, I, I'm the same way. I've got him on a ton of leagues. I love picking him up. I mean, he's really cheap right now. Um, and so I, he's a guy I, I love as a, as a possible backup, especially with Akers injury i mean i he's a guy you should put on your roster probably yeah there's buying price and selling price that's the that's the difference when when he's on my team what i'm going to sell him for is way different than what i'm sending offers for you know so and i (laughs) send really good offers out you know that's (laughs) (laughs) you know uh okay i got the 49ers and i mean this is kind of the uh this will be a short tail right now because elijah mitchell is going to be the offense in the backfield here now i the thought was that Trey Sermon was going to come on this team and run this offense with Trey Lance. That's kind of what he was designed to do. So I, I still have some kind of uh, hope for uh, Trey Sermon to be something in this offense. If Elijah Mitchell does go down, I'm not sure it's going to be uh, Tyron Davis Price or Jeff Wilson. I think they're going to give Trey Sermon a resurgence again. So if you have room in a bottom of your bench to stash Trey Sermon, I like I said, I honestly believe – that this was a situation where Trey Lance and Trey Sermon were meant to play together in this kind of like running option offense. So that's my only thing. But until something happens to Elijah Mitchell, that, I mean, it's a one-man show as far as I'm concerned in this offense. It's it's a uh, It'll be a running offense, and it's very hard to with, – with a running quarterback, you're going to freeze the linebackers. That's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of carries. You're looking at a 1,000-yard season, probably 1,200-yard season for Elijah Mitchell this year with not much competition minus – you know, a handful of uh, you know running running quarterbacks generally don't pass, don't don't dump the ball off the running back, so don't expect too many PPR points from anybody on there in the backfield. But Elijah Mitchell is going to get the bulk of the carries here. That's kind of a, it's the short and sweet for this offense. Um, so that's kind of all I have to say about as far as that goes. Uh, Justin, tell me about the Cardinals running team, running offense here. So Cardinals, I mean, they haven't had very many explosive running backs in the past. Uh, anybody who got in cheap on James Conner last year lucked out because he was a TD machine. I think he tied second in the league in touchdowns, 15 touchdowns. Uh, the big question is, is there any way he can repeat that this season? I mean, you're, you're, he's probably one of your top candidates for regression on touchdowns. Nice thing is he does catch the ball in the backfield. Problem is, he's only top 900 yards one time in his career. He had 750 last year. When he played again, kind of like Kyler Murray, when he played, he was pretty solid for you. Uh, but he missed a couple games as well in there. Uh, so, like, 
the, the biggest issue for me on Connor is I like Connor as a person. I think he's a solid player, especially in that system. How much upside he's going to give you in fantasy, he's probably at the most expensive price he's ever going to be uh, in most leagues as far as a, as a redraft or in a dynasty league. Um, like I said, I think he fits their system well. I just don't know if he's ever going to really be a guy that's going to get you a ton of yards. So you're going to be relying on those goal line touchdowns. He does catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield. He's had, you know, 30 plus receptions for three, 400 yards the last couple of years. Again, last year was right around that 37 catches, 375 yards or so. So I think if you can get him. To, to somehow get 800, 850 yards, and even if he goes back in touchdowns and gets just 10 or 11 and catches 40 balls for 400, I think he's a solid RB2 for you. The question is just how much are you going to have to spend to get him uh, at that price? But I, I, mean, I like him as, as an RB2 or an RB3 on your team just because I, I have a feeling that this Arizona team is going to move the ball. So he's going to have a chance to get touchdowns. Um, you know, you never know with Kyler. If he gets banged up a little more, that's kind of what happened last year. He got banged up a little. They didn't want him to run near the goal line. And so he started handing off the ball a whole lot more than in the past where he would just take off and run himself. And that's how Connor, uh, you know, really became a, a stud last year. I mean, if you had him on your team, he helped you big time uh, for most people that had him. Uh, the, the question after him is, is anybody else relevant at all? Daryl Williams now on that team from the Chiefs. He's a guy that you go, eh, he's kind of similar. He's not as a good as Connor, but he's like a similar type of player looking at that 700 yards, 30 catches, 300 yards. So uh, how much is he going to steal from Connor? That's a question. Obviously, if you have Connor, he was a nice handcuff to have because if Connor gets hurt, something goes down, he's going to play that exact Connor role pretty well to a T. So I like him there. Beyond that, uh, it's a real question mark. You know, Benjamin, um, you got Ingram, the rookie uh, out of USC. Haven't heard much in camp on like, you know, everybody loves everybody, but I haven't heard much about either one of those guys as far as pushing for any kind of playing time. Um, so, again, if you're taking flyers on those guys and maybe in a rookie draft, like a Ingram in a rookie draft, hoping maybe he, he does something. But uh, in a redraft league, you're probably not looking to add any of those guys. And, you know, Benjamin, I know with – uh, with Edmonds being gone, people kind of were jumping on him immediately, but then they went out and got Williams and it's like, okay, uh, do they really like, Eno that much. So I'm kind of out on him as far as that in again, I think for the price Connor works well in this system because they want to throw the ball and they want to run with Kyler. So I, I think if you can get Connor for the right price, I think he has huge upside as far as being your RB too. Yeah, I had Eno Benjamin everywhere. I was like, this is great. If something happens to James Conner, I got the backup. And then, they, yeah, they signed Williams and Keontae Ingram came into picture. And I'm like, all right, so I just got I just overpaid for Eno Benjamin, who's going to be nothing but a, uh, you know, a, a, a once of maybe three carries a game kind of guy. But And then we all got 30 trade offers from John to for us to acquire <laughs> Eno Benjamin. But one, one stat I'll, I just did, I actually just talked, I highlighted James Conner on a, my show earlier this week. And when I looked at it in the six games without Edmonds last season, Connor had 25 catches. That's and and he only had 37 last year. I think was the total for Connor. Mm-hmm. So like that was big. So those numbers you have when you look at that type of stuff, like you have to look at it. I mean, Nuke was hurt at that time too. Now Hoppin's gonna be out six games too. They brought in Hollywood. So I don't know if 25 catches in six games is the pace. But if they use him in that role and they don't really split the those roles up like they were before. I think Connor has has pretty has enough upside in the passing game to offset the fact that he ain't going to get 15 rushing touchdowns again. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I like the price, man, and uh, you nailed it. 
he's here for a good time, not a long time, but it's going to be a good time while he's here. So that's, uh, that's how that works. Dig it. Yeah. So let's switch to wide receivers here. And then, uh, Justin, we're going to go with you again for the uh, wide receiver situation. Uh, you got Marquise Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, AJ Green, and then it kind of just jumps off from there. So what, uh, tell me about the wide receivers here for the Cardinals. Yeah, obviously Hopkins is the big news with a six-game suspension, so they're going to have to figure out some things without him early on. Um, he's had some injuries, injury woes the last couple of years. So if you're the Cardinals, hopefully getting those six games off, maybe it equals out for him and he ends up uh, being solid. Um, obviously, if he can give you anything – 75, 80% of what he was those last couple of years in Houston. Uh, I mean, you're getting great production out of him. Um, AJ Green, I think he's more of going to be a best ball guy. I think he's still got some talent, real NFL talent as far as like being out there and be able to produce, but you know, getting big time stats from him are, is pretty much bye-bye at this point. You're hoping you get one big touchdown in a game. So he's more of a best ball uh, play. But I, I do like him on this roster because of, of just the way he can stress the field and still do some work downfield. Now, Hollywood is he's, he's the big question mark. What Hollywood are you getting? Are you getting the Hollywood who looked unreal in some in a couple games last year? Are you getting the guy that dropped three or four balls and cost his team wins? Um, so if he can catch the ball, I think him and Kyler could have, you know, a really good uh they could be a really good matchup together hitting him but hollywood's got to be able to catch the ball hopefully you know we just saw the whole speeding thing with him guessing they're going to try to push that back as far as possible so i don't know if that will actually affect him at all this season and if it is what is it he's speeding he didn't get an accident or anything like that is it a one game suspension is it a fine um you know it it, it seems a little less um on the serious end compared to some, a lot of the other things we've been seeing lately from NFL players. So uh, that's not something I would worry about as far as Hollywood, that doesn't knock him down on my list. I'm not worried about him missing a bunch of time or anything like that. But again, I think his upside is huge. Like I said, if he can cure a couple of those drops, man, the guy's got speed. He's explosive. You know, Cliff Kingsbury wants to throw the ball downfield. You know, Murray wants to throw the ball downfield. He's going to have every opportunity to make catches down the field. And you got to figure he's going to get a lot more targets than he was getting in a run heavy Baltimore offense. So depending on where you can get him in drafts, I mean, there, there was a, I can't remember the exact weeks last year, but I think it was like weeks one through five. He was top three or four in the entire NFL at, at PPR. So uh, he's shown that high, high end uh, ability. And so I think if you, if you can mesh with Kyler and they, especially I can see Kyler going to him a ton without Hopkins early on in the season. And then when Hopkins comes back, he's already made that connection with them. They know each other from college. I mean, I just think, I think their passing game is, is has huge upside. Uh, as far as the wide receivers, the one guy no one talks about anymore hurts my heart. Andy Isabella is just, yeah. I can't understand why they can't ever figure out how to use him. I was really hoping they would move him in the off season to somebody, someone like the bears. I thought he would have been a, a good addition to somebody to like get a new start, maybe get a chance. I mean, I still think the guy's got talent. You've seen him make some big plays. It's just, he can't seem to find any consistency to get on the field. Um, if he could, I think he would be a great, you know, third, fourth option behind all those guys. Um, 
but we'll see. You'll see. I, I don't know who they're going to give uh, extra reps to without Hopkins in the early part of the season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they go a little more two tight end sets there in the early going. Andy Isabella belongs on the Patriots. That's kind of, I mean, it's, he's just, I, yeah, he, got, he could probably crush for the Patriots. Oh, uh, yes. I would just love to see, I always want to see the guy play. He's sitting on the end of my benches in so many <laughs> dynasty leagues. I just want to see him get a chance. I think everybody has had like a three game love affair with Andy Isabella. It just <laughs> never panned out. And they're like, oh, he's coming, gone. I bet you if you went on like your history on Sleeper, he's been on everybody's team in the entire league at least once. You know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how that He works. did win me a bet one time, rookie year. I did bet somebody in my league that he would have more receiving yards um, than the guy out of Iowa State that also went there, and he ended up not playing the whole year, and I won. And Isabel only had like 100-some yards receiving, but I won the bet, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> you think Antoine Wesley or whatever? Uh, the touchdown nuke, nuke uh, role like he did last year? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's why I said Wesley, I don't know where he slots in. He's obviously going to get a chance with Hopkins being out early. Um, so if he, if he can carve out a role for himself, you know, you can see, I mean, he had some success, had some touchdowns last year. Um, so it would be interesting to see kind of if that was a fluke where he kind of was relevant or if now with, with – uh, D-Hop being out, is he going to be a guy that they're going to look to a lot more? I mean, I think they've got a lot of people to throw to. I mean, they, they've got Hollywood. D-Hop comes back. He's going to be a guy they're going to be targeting. I think Ertz at tight end is going to, uh, now that he's been there, he's going to be there a whole offseason. I think I would see his production going way up. And, and again, I think Connor can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think they're going to have a lot of fantasy-relevant players on this offense. Yeah, it's gonna be, I think it would be a lot more two tight end sets than people expect. Uh, then it will be like the, the, the five receiver sets they had in the past. But uh, that's something to be determined. We'll find out. Um, let's see. Uh, Kyle, tell me about the Rams wide receivers here. They got some talk about upgrades. I mean, this is uh, this is a situation that everybody would love to be in. If they were if they if they were a fan of any team, they get Cooper Cup, then an underperforming Allen Robinson who just threw a towel in Chicago. You know, too bad we had some problems with Van with Van, uh, Van Jefferson just got hurt, so it's kind of. Yeah. But I mean, after that, it's Tutu Atwell, Ben Scourney, you know, that Brandon Powell, a bunch of nobodies. But Cooper Cup and Al Robinson is a pretty nice situation to be in for wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, because I, I this this guy's name you is like Voldemort in my house, but Hakeem Butler was the receiver that you were. That's what he was. Oh, yes, Hakeem that Butler. That was, that that was dude. the one. F that dude. I uh, <laughs> I own him in too many places. Uh, also, Andy Isabella was a in a classic trade between John and myself one time. Uh, Andy Isabella uh, for David Johnson that worked out for the both of us. Um, we were able to successfully cut those two guys or trade them off for <laughs> junk. Uh, so just crazy. And then not to rewind too far back, but a, an actual fancy relevant thing, because this blew me away. I was doing some research the other day. Marquise Brown had 145 targets, which was ninth in the league last year in Baltimore. Like it's the like the whole thing was he's bitching and moaning about getting out of there because he wants to go to a passing offense. You had the ninth most targets. Like I'm not quite sure he's going to see a buck 45 with Nuke on the other side. So to be interesting to see, but uh, that's that's enough rewind for you. But um, uh, for the Rams, I mean, okay, here, here this is this is my favorite stat from the end of last year. And I'm going through everything. Uh, 22 targets, 22 receptions, 331 yards, and two touchdowns. Those were the advantages that Cooper Cup had in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns over the number two in each of those categories. 
Yeah. Insanity. The dude was four and a half points better than the number two wide receiver in points per game. Just absolutely bonkers that like how good he was last year. I mentioned the touchdown regression from Stafford passing the like throwing the ball, even if he's healthy. I just don't see 41 touchdowns again. Uh, so I think Cup will have a tremendous year, but you know, 145 catches, just under 2,000 yards and 16 touchdowns on 191 targets. That's going to be tough. Stafford threw the ball a lot last year, over 600 attempts. Uh, so Cup should he should still be the you know up there in the top three wide receivers uh, for 2022. Um, you know, for Dynasty, it's interesting that he's interesting for sure because he's he he turned just turned 29. Um, he's right now wide receiver six in Dynasty DLF uh, rankings. I mean. It, it's uh, I just don't see him being able to repeat what he did last season, but he still should be damn good. So if you're if you have him, you're thrilled. Uh, if you're trying to acquire him, in and in, in any format, you're gonna have to overpay because uh, I just don't see him returning the investment you have to put in on him. He's gonna have a great season, I'm sure, as long as Stafford's healthy. All these wide receivers have that little asterisk next to their name. Um, but Cut for me is the wide receiver one in 2022. I'm gonna take him over Jefferson uh, and Chase. Uh, as long as Stafford is is uh, we're hearing positive reports out of him, you kind of know what, what you got in Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson, like you said, he completely just bailed. I mean, last year was just a freaking disaster. Uh, seven it, point, yeah. seven points per game. I mean, that's I mean, you should be able to fall out of bed at, with his talent and and score better than that. Uh, the quarterback situation. God does not want this man to have a good quarterback. If Matthew Stafford gets hurt, we all need to blame Allen Robinson because that man is not meant to play with a, with a professional quarterback. Um, I, I think for this season, uh, it, again, a broken record, as long as Stafford's healthy, Allen Robinson should put up some good numbers. Uh, between OBJ and Robert Woods, that's 117 targets vacated uh, from those two wide receivers that, that perfectly aligned uh, last year as far as OBJ getting acquired and then Woods getting injured. Um, so... There, there's there's opportunity there. Uh, Van Jefferson had another 80-plus targets. So if Jefferson's not 100% on the field, I'm hoping for Allen Robinson. 130 would be great uh, for him, and I think he could produce at a low-end wide receiver two um, pace. If someone's drafting him any higher than that, I I would or thinking that you're going to get top 15, I, I don't see that happening. Um, I just think that Cup demands too much uh, from Stafford. I expect the rushing touchdowns to turn up for this team. Uh, so I think Allen Robinson should be solid, but I'm not getting overly excited about him, but I think he, he just should be just a, uh, a solid wide receiver too, based off of where he's playing. And then Van Jefferson, uh, if you listen to the SmackDown last year, like every week, I pretty much like, I think my start of the week was always Van Jefferson. And my reasoning was uh, F OBJ. I just hate Obadell Beckham Jr. Um, that worked out sometimes. Then the playoffs kind of happened. And and then I stopped doing a podcast because I didn't need to worry about that. Um, but Jefferson, 800 yards and six touchdowns, really solid last year. Um, but if he misses any time to this knee procedure, which, you know, uh, is probably likely, you can't really draft him in redraft leagues and expect anything because you don't want to burn a roster spot for the first few weeks on him. Uh, and in Dynasty, he just turned 26 in June. Allen Robinson will probably be there at least this year and next based off his contract. So he'll probably play third fiddle. And then there's always the option of them bringing OBJ for a playoff run. Um, and that could impact your fantasy playoffs. So uh, he, you know, he's really tough to trust uh, from, from a fantasy perspective. I want him to be healthy because without Van Jefferson, Matthew Stafford's weapons take a hit. I mean, it's, it's really those two guys and that's about it. Um, unless they really start leveraging the running backs in the pa- passing game, which they really didn't last year. And they, and they, uh, 
they haven't added anybody else's significance. John mentioned all of the uh, the shoe clerks, as my buddy Memphis would say, that they have in that depth chart. It's it's horrible. Uh, I mean, Tutu Atwell. I mean, I'm like two Tutu Atwells tall. Like that's how short this dude is. So uh, I'm not counting on anybody else in this offense to produce from a, at the wide receiver group. Um, so Cooper Cup, here's your 190 targets once again. Let's hope those touchdowns keep carrying over. But uh, that's about it for the wide receiver for the Rams for me. Yeah, I've got burned by OBJ so many times in fantasy football. So, uh, you know, I get it. But uh, he will be back here. They love him. He loves being there. It's, you know, if these guys stay healthy all season long and, and Stafford, his arm holds up. And, I mean, I can see these guys going right back to the Super Bowl again with all this talent. And just when the guys are starting to get burned off and getting too much work, you bring in OBJ to kind of – who's a fantastic receiver when he's healthy, but it's uh, right. it's a great problem to have as a number three kind of part-time receiver. He's all right. Yeah, he's right. He's all right. <laughs> that guy's okay. Well, speaking of small receivers like Tutu, the one guy I did forget was Rondell Moore. Like, is he actually going to be something for the Cardinals or not? I mean, he had one or two really good games and then completely disappeared in every other game for the rest of the season. So the question is, do they actually have a plan for him? Are they going to try to do something specific with him, or is it is he going to have to beat somebody out? Because I think if he's going to try to get more looks, I, I think they're going to have to figure out ways to intentionally get him the ball because I just don't think he's going to get enough separation and make plays on his own unless they're absolutely looking to try to get him the ball in his hands. So he's a guy that I it, – it, uh, He's crazy, especially Dynasty. You maybe want to take a chance on him, redraft. I don't know if I'd want to have him it, on my redraft roster at all. Um, but a Dynasty, if you can stash him and and, and hopefully he hits, uh, maybe. But uh, he's a guy that if I can get any value from right now, I'm trying to trade him. If somebody's interested in him, think he still has a huge upside, I'm trying to move him because uh, I'm just not so sure about him. I've got a league where I can leave him on the taxi. He's sitting on my taxi all year this year unless he does something else for me i i'm just gonna let him sit down there and see if, it, if he can make anything happen if you can put a prop on negative depth of target uh you put the money on rondell moore i mean what the hell <laughs> i traded yeah, i after. traded away rondell moore to get michael carter in the league this uh probably about a month ago and the guy was happy to take rondell moore and i was super happy to get him off my roster at the same time so it worked out pretty nice for me especially with the camp the reports coming out with michael carter being the uh ppr back in that offense so I'm happy about I, that. I like that trade. I'd take that all day. I like it too. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, great job, John. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me pat myself on the back. That was great. You guys, you guys should be on here more often. This is great. Yeah, no kidding. The <laughs> uh, fluff squad right. going here. Jesus. Dan, tell me about the Seahawks wide receivers. You got Metcalf, Lockett, some Bo Melton. Uh, I love Dwayne Eskridge. I'm not really sure why. Or D. Eskridge now. Not really sure why he's yeah. – uh, so here's the deal. I I in best ball, give me Lockett and meet Metcalf all day. Starting these guys in lineups, actually having to click the box. I mean, you have to do it. Yeah. So it's not like you, there's a choice. But uh, and this is with Russell Wilson. Like he played. I mean, he took advantage of what the defense gave him. Um, I don't know that. I mean, Gino fed DK the ball a little bit when he played last year. Um, I would like Drew Locke to play so he could just throw the ball downfield because this is where these two really excel. Uh, find, you know, Tyler Lockett gets separation downfield. Um, he, he's him and Metcalf both, like, you know, Metcalf. Um, 
is a huge target. So, I mean, hopefully that can help him with the deep ball. Um, but these two are some of the most frustrating guys to own because it seems like, you know, a week. That's why best ball, these guys are great. But, um, but yeah, the, the slot, I, I don't know. I mean, Freddie Swain's been around a couple years. D. Eskridge, I'd like to see what he actually can do because they didn't really do much with him last year. He was hurt. Yeah. Time, so. He's still hurt. He's, still, he's always hurt. Yeah, I know. I love him. But, yeah, he's he's always hurt. I mean, we have an Olympian, uh, Marquise Goodwin. <laughs> he's fast. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, it's – you know, behind Metcalf and Lockett, there's going to be some guys that will have, you know, a two-touchdown week here or there, but nothing to I was just looking this up because I just we're in the middle. It's an auction, so we're kind of in the middle of it. We got 19 receivers that have come off the board, and it and it's it's a contract league. So, but we're at the point with 19 receivers. Everybody's still getting the young guys. A lot of multi years coming off the board. Out of the 19 receivers uh, that have been auctioned off, only I I got DK Metcalf 18th in salary. Like I put a bit out there, and it was crickets. Like no one, the only receiver that has been off the board that was at lower price was DeAndre Hopkins because of the suspension. Like, if, you when, I, I don't get it. Like, why he is so undervalued. He's undervalued, in my opinion. He's he's still going to be solid. You just got to work your way through 2022. Yeah. yeah. You remember that breakout game he had, and everybody was like, DK is the number one wide receiver. <laughs> he's the yeah. greatest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. And then, you know, he had games like uh, Jalen Ramsey, Mm-hmm. Shut him down twice last year, so mm-hmm. don't start against the Rams. Uh, maybe, or you start him anyway because you have to, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it's they're boom bust guys, and uh, they kind of always have been. I mean, historically, Daryl Jackson would have his games. You'd have Doug Baldwin would have. I mean, Doug Baldwin did go through that stretch where he had like ten consecutive boom games. But yeah, right. You know that it's. I, I it's think, if you look at the splits, it's either Lockett or Metcalf. So you kind of have to look at. You know, maybe you look historically. You know, what teams do, does Lockett beat up? What teams does Metcalf beat up? And start them. I don't think you have a choice to start, but but to start DK Metcalf every week. If you for what you paid for him, if he's on your team or what you had to trade to get him, you're he's in your starting lineup, whether you like it or not. Unfortunately, take him in best ball, and then you can relax when they have their boom games. I hate best ball. I stop saying the word best. Best ball is for people that just like to draft 160 teams and walk away at the end of the year and say, "Look at me, I won a league because I know what I'm doing." Like, and they don't show you the other 174 leagues they didn't do shit in. You know, that's best ball's terrible. How do you really feel about this? <laughs> best ball's for nobodies. Once you get past 40 leagues, though, you kind of have to do best ball because then it's like you I get know. the whole best ball thing. I, I was teammates with Mike Taglier in a couple leagues. You know, I get it. He was, uh, you know, he got all these charity leagues and all these other ones and everything. He's like, I only do best ball for this stuff now. If they want me to set a lineup, I'm not playing. I'm not doing it. I'm just doing. I'm just doing best ball. And if you're in that many leagues and you just kind of like, hey, I'm going to show up and draft and have a good time and you know, be part of some kind of charity event. I get the best ball thing. You said it, you draft, you have a great time on draft night and then you walk away and that's, that's what best ball is made for or yeah. to, you know, bet five bucks and hopefully you can win 25 or 50 or 80, whatever the deal, whatever you're buying is get it a year. But for people who, who are like 
I like competitive lineups. I like doing my kind of thing. I'm just, I'm not a best ball fan whatsoever. It's almost like cheating, you know, that kind of deal. But I, I understand its place. I get it. It's, it's awesome, but I'm just not for me. So stop it's talking a- about best ball, damn it. <laughs> Getting that button, knowing there's a chance that DK could have two catches for like 15 yards. That's for you know the more Mark Hasvel, the scaling kind of players, you know, the deep the you know the bottom people's Jones. That, those are awesome for that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah Metcalfs, Lockets. But the boom bust guys. The boom bust guys is exactly right. Like uh, Mike Evans is kind of a boom bust guy sometimes. He has up to 275 yards and 18 touchdowns in one game, and he has two catches for four yards two games in a row. And it's like this is his stats are he always gets a thousand yards every year, but he has some really bad weeks sometimes. So Yeah, yeah. That's just me ranting because I had him and he burns me sometimes. <laughs> but uh, that's for me, I got the 49ers here. And there's only two guys to talk about on this team, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And like I said before, you know, if our quarterback, if Lance is the quarterback here, and he has a 56% passing rate, and he's only throwing the ball less than – I mean, last year they threw the ball 460 times, and that was with a less running quarterback. If it's, I mean, what is it going to be? 420 passes this year, maybe with no, I mean, and you got Kittle is going to get Kittle's probably the leading receiver per, per week on the team. I, I just don't understand why everybody's goo goo gaga over Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I understand the rushing uh, aspect of Debo Samuel's game. Uh, I'm going to say, he's, I would say he's probably going to get 100 targets. I mean, they're leading the team. But I'm not really, uh, I'm not really sold on any of these wide receivers. As far as fantasy is concerned, I think they're both really overrated. Everybody calls Brandon Ayuk a big time sleeper this year. So as far as talented players are concerned, I think they're fantastic. To, you know, fabulous players, but I think just the system is not made, uh, it, you know, to accommodate a, a fantastic tight end and you know two average, you know, two good receivers that aren't going to get the ball very often. Especially with Trey Lance's accuracy, I'm very skeptical about Debo and Brandon Ayuk. I'm, I'm not really sure. How do you guys feel about these guys? Because uh, maybe it's just me. Being like, you know, watching these, watching Trey Lance and and seeing these, you know, that it's not going to be Jimmy G is a little bit more accurate than Trey Lance. And, and he wasn't that crazy good. What do you guys think about this situation? I'm completely out on Ayuk. I might be one of those, but I just, I don't want him on any of my teams. I accidentally got him last year on one team when my computer internet went out during an auction draft and the computer drafted for me and totally screwed my team up because I spent way too much money on him. Uh, I just, I do not like him at all. Uh, he's an okay player, but I, like you said, I don't like the system. I don't think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I, I just do not see him being a super relevant guy. I know people are talking about him being kind of a sleeper, but I, he would have to fall mighty far for me to take him in almost any of my leagues. Um, I don't have him in any league currently, and I don't plan on taking him in any other leagues. Um, Debo with the rushing upside and the ways they gadget to get him the ball, I still think he's going to be fantasy relevant. Um, is he at his peak? That's the question. Has he hit you know, peak value? I know in one of my leagues, a uh, guy traded him to get the 1-1 where he could take Brees Hall. So he had a deal with that and, and made a move there. Um I've got wow. Debo on a couple of teams, but it's uh, again it, depending on how many rushes he gets. I think that that's his upside. I, if he's relying on a million targets in order to be, you know, have a really good fantasy season, I think that's where uh, D 
Debo's going to get hurt there. They've got to figure out a way to use him with Lance. If Lance is going to be the starter and run the ball a lot, they got to figure out how to get some touches uh, to Debo in those situations. Dan, what do you think? I feel a lot better about the situation if I knew uh, if Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk uh, sat down and ate breakfast every morning. Like, like <laughs> Matt Stafford did. Uh, and maybe if Kyle Shanahan was invited too, because Ayuk spent most of last year in Shanahan's doghouse uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I guess Shanahan, like he pissed in his Cheerios or something. I don't know. Uh, but Shanahan hated the guy for half the year. Uh, that's where Debo really got his opportunity because he was doing everything he could to keep Ayuk off the field. So here, show him how it's done. And, you know, I think Lance didn't really get – I mean, he's a rookie. So he didn't 100, really, 100 yards a game, though, for six games? I mean, that's that's crazy. He didn't really get a ton of oper- – I mean – they rely on running the ball on defense. You know, that's that's kind of their, their situation. So they do. I think I think Lance will bring a little bit more of a I mean, he's not gonna throw the ball super downfield. It's gonna be a lot of crossing, um Debo out of the backfield, stuff like that. Yeah. Um I think the receivers can still I mean, Debo's probably the only guy I'd want. I'd start IUK in bye weeks is about it. Yeah, that's their job. They're 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 a ball control offense. With Jimmy G, they they were very, very efficient offense. They kept the ball in their hands. They they methodically drove down the field, and the defense kept them in games. And they, you know they made it all the way to uh, the, the what third round of playoffs or second round of playoffs with that situation. So, I mean, they have. A, I just don't understand. I don't think that Trey Lance will be able to make the pass that Jimmy G made to keep them relevant in games. That's I mean just one or two one or two stall drives. Is all it's going to take to put them behind the eight ball where you're going to have to force Trey Lance to pass instead of running the ball, and then you're SOL. So, I'm uh, that's just I, I'm not I'm kind of uh, out on on both these receivers at, at their cost anyway. For like he's like, uh, like you said, JT, if uh, if they fall to me at super low, yeah, I'll take them and you know, use them later. But yeah. people are people are expecting Debo Samuel to be their wide receiver one, and I don't I don't get that. I and mean, Debo, he he gave you value last year because he scored a lot of points, but you also got him because you didn't have to spend a ton to get him. Right. So that helps. So he was your second or third or fourth <laughs> guy, and then he gave you some wide receiver one numbers. Uh, was huge. But if you're going in and you know I'm seeing drafts from people are taking Debo as their number one wideout, I'm like, yeah, if he's right. my number one guy. I'm gonna be real nervous every week how much they're gonna use him, and you know, does can he make that transition? like Tyreek Hill did where he was the gadget guy who, you know, kick return, punt returns, got handoffs in the backfield, and then eventually became that full-time wide receiver that you had to pay attention to all the time. Does Debo have that in him? I don't know. I don't know if he can be that guy without consistently staying a gadget guy. And again, Lance, he might have huge fancy upside, but I'm not sure what what value he's going to bring. I mean, if people are already out on Justin Fields throwing the ball, and he's a guy who knew how to, you know, proved he could throw the ball in college. I mean, Lance didn't prove he could throw the ball a whole lot in college. So I, I'm just, I would be very nervous uh, of of 
attaching my horses to the to the 49ers offense if I didn't have to unless it's good costs and again I'm 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 even worried about Eli Mitchell I mean I'm not taking him anywhere I think he could be good but I'm worried about him injury wise and then you've seen Shanahan play a million running backs and I've had teams where I've had every one of the Niners running backs because I just didn't know who was going to play every week and it just drove me crazy we all been there (laughs) <laughs> We've all been there plenty of times. Yeah, you know, like you said the big the big thing with Tyreek Hill and Debo, the difference is the quarterbacks. I mean, Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill because he's a special athlete just like Debo is, but he does not have Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. That's a big difference. I mean, that kind of helps a little mm-hmm. bit in, you know, in fantasy and real life. So Absolutely. Uh so all right, let's um let's switch to tight ends here to finish this out with tight ends. Um Kyle Tell me about this awesome, awesome situation at tight end uh, for the Rams. Yeah, this is out of the. This is the one I get to lead off, and it's the one <laughs> that the Rams are by far the worst, in my opinion. Uh, Higby, remember that like three game stretch when he had like four hundred yards and like six touchdowns or whatever, like two years ago. Uh, that was fun. Uh, I mean, he was tight end fourteen in points per game last season. Sixty one catches, five hundred sixty yards, five touchdowns. Tyler Higby was pretty much the definition of why leagues want to get rid of the tight end position, like just boring crap. And you're literally just sitting there hoping that he scores a TD. Uh, 85 targets, 13th most among tight ends, maybe with Van Jefferson out uh, and no OBJ there for the first part of the season. Maybe he sees a few more looks, but he's just not somebody that I'm real interested in. Uh, He is a, I don't have anyone else option in my opinion. Um, there's guys like Austin Hooper. I'd rather even take a shot on this year uh, over Higby. I'm not excited. Um, so I'm not really doing a good job selling that this is uh, much to talk about. But I will say just for your redraft leagues, uh, week one, the Rams play the Bills. The Bills were the third best uh, in the league against the tight end position for fantasy. Those numbers don't always carry over from year to year. But the safeties for the Bills, veteran guy, as long as Poyer's there. I'm not interested then in streaming him week one, uh, Tyler Higby. So I'm not going to draft him even redraft leagues. I'll start with somebody else who has a bit better week, week one matchup. So uh, they don't really have much behind him that I'm overly interested in dynasty either. Uh, I, they've, they've burned some third round picks to the ground the last couple years. And then you stash those guys. And then uh, what's his nuts is now a wide receiver. So, uh, I mean, he was so blocked by Tyler Higby. So, uh, I, I don't really see anybody here that I'm overly interested in as far as a prospect either. So uh, there's my uh, there's my stamp of approval for this. Kendall Blanton had like, Kendall Blanton had like a, a week last year. We did okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no dice. I'm good. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, exactly. So, uh, Dan, tell me your, maybe a step up here on the uh, tight end situation. Yeah, I mean Noah Fant uh, was was an upgrade. You still got Big Montana, Will Disley, and uh, Colby Parkinson in his uh, third year breakout at tight end. Uh, <laughs> How much money did they give Disley? Like, what the hell was that? Right, like, <laughs> that was the craziest thing ever. <laughs> He's, uh, he had good. those couple stretches where he went off with, <laughs> like, two years ago, he had, like, a three- or four-game stretch where he was unbelievable, and then it was, like, injury, and then disappeared. Yeah, and then he – I mean, they life. got fan. They're like, you know what we need to do? Pay a tight end. That's what we need to do. Let's let's freaking go. Well, I, yeah. think, I think it comes into the – Disley would be a better blocker than fan. So, mm-hmm. I think 
a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of running the ball. Uh, Fant will probably be the de facto slot middle of the field guy because I mean they, you know, Lockett can serve that purpose too. But uh, the one nice thing is Lock and Fant have a connection, so you know hopefully they can be the be the guys playing. Um, you know they have experience. Um, I just hope they don't start Geno Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I think Fancy uh, Noah, Noah Fantastic is, by the way, what I like to call him. But uh, hey, I think hey, I think yeah. he's a buyer right now. I yeah. think he's a serious yeah. buy, buy low. He's a good guy if you miss out on your top five tight ends. Yeah, he's a guy you can get really late and could produce. You know, he's your guy that you know he scores a touchdown. He he's a plus for you for the week for. Tight end. The problem yeah, I think is- he's, he's got some upside there. I think, uh, like you said, they don't really have a slot guy that they go to a lot. I think he could work the middle of that field quite a bit. Um, in the past, uh, Albert O was Drew Locke's tight end at Mizzou. He'd love to hit him in the red zone. I think Fant's going to have some big upside in the red zone. Um, again, you know, is he going to catch? eight, nine balls a, a game, probably not. But I think he's going to have a shot to get you four or five catches, maybe get one long one in there and get a touchdown. So, I mean, I for the price he's at right now, I'm actually trying to require him in yeah. leagues because a yes. lot of people just – they're down on the Seahawks. They're down with the quarterback situation. Um, so he's kind of just dropped off people's radar. And I, so I'm, I'm taking him in a lot of places at, at the spot. Like I said, if you're, if you're putting tight in – in a league, and you're just you're just waiting. He's definitely worth a shot, you know, of, of taking a guy a little bit later in the draft where you can sit on him. If he hits, awesome. If he doesn't, you didn't spend much, and you probably grabbed another tight end that's about the same and give him a shot back to week to week. So uh, he's definitely a guy, you know. I would I'm looking at and targeting because, again, they're going to throw a lot of deep passes to those guys. They're going to have to drop some stuff off and both their running backs haven't proven to catch a lot of passes in their careers. So I, I just think fan has a, a, a real shot, you know, to, to get, see some uh, targets this year, especially I think if lock plays revenge game week one that, I mean, if you need any other reason, don't draft Tyler Higby. He sucks. He's playing the bills revenge game week one. Noah fan. Let's go. There you go. Let's ride. It's going to be a little, <laughs> I, just, I wish Russell Wilson the best. It was time. Him and him and Pete were, yeah, at their wits' end. I wish him the best. I'm not. I'm not one of those bitter Seahawks fans. It's like you know, burning my Russell Wilson stuff. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> yeah, JT, tell me about these. Uh, you got Zach Ertz, who I traded to Kyle right before he signed a three-year contract. I was like, Zach Ertz is gonna go. But I don't know what he's going to do. So I, I traded him for peanuts to Kyle in, in, in our league. And then all of a sudden, he's got this three-year contract. And then all this stuff happens with the wide receivers. And I'm like, oh, great. And there's a top probably seven tight end. I just let go for, for absolutely nothing. And, uh, you know, that happens sometimes in, the, in dynasty football, making some bad moves. But I'm, I'm pretty good at making bad moves. So uh, I got him for uh, Troutman straight up last year in a league. I was pretty pumped about that. Cash. So, uh, so right I was uh, the guy offered to me, actually. I was like, oh, I'll. I'll take a shot at Ertz in a tight end premium league for Troutman. So but I, I think this is a great situation for him, honestly. Um, came in on the trade from the Eagles. Uh, you know, was trying to find his footing, kind of where he fit on the team. I think now he's had the whole offseason. He's going to have a whole year this year 
I mean, I, I'm a buyer on, on Ertz. I think he's – is he going to give you that 90 catches, 1,000 yards that he was putting up a couple years back? Probably not. But does he have top five tight end upside? I think so. I mean, I definitely think so, especially if uh, – you know, with Nuke out uh, in the beginning here, Hollywood, him, they could be their one-two uh, very likely. So I, I think the way they're going to move him around, I think they're going to throw the ball a lot, like I said, this whole time. I, I like Ertz a ton. Um, I just think he fits in on, on this team really well, uh, and he kind of can do all those things. I think they've, they've really got a really good mix of the old older players, experienced guys, and some young guys that have some excitement. So I just if they can figure out, if Cliff Kingsbury can figure out how to work all these guys together, I I, I mean, I'm a buyer on Arizona's offense. I mean, are, are they going to blow some real-life games? Probably. I don't know what their overall record is going to be. They got a pretty tough schedule, but fantasy purposes, I, I like a lot of these guys. Um, I'm a buyer on Ertz. I think he's got, uh, you know, potential to have a, a top five season. Um, and then Trey McBride, the rookie out of Colorado State and a dynasty. I'm buying him up on dynasty leagues for sure. Uh, redraft is a little more iffy. Uh, maybe he's worth if you if you get Ertz or you take him late. Uh, I could see them going kind of the old school way they did with the Eagles a little bit, playing a little too tight end, uh, going McBride and Ertz together, especially with Nuke out early. Um, so I like the idea. I'm definitely taking a flyer on McBride where I can get him redraft leagues. And maybe if you, if you got a deep bench and you could take him late, uh, he's a, he's a guy to look at, uh, definitely like his upside. Um, you know, he's got that guy that's looking at that year two, three breakout that a lot of rookie tight ends do. And that gets you that perfect timing of him right behind Ertz. So you get Ertz for the next two, three years. You get him in these prime years before he kind of hits that cliff as far as, as getting into his mid-30s. Um, and I think McBride's a guy that comes right behind him. Um, a guy I think if he played at a bigger school and would have had more touchdowns in college, I think a lot more people would have been on him. Um, guy caught everything they threw to him at Colorado State. He just happened to have – I think it was one touchdown or something ridiculous yeah. there that they, they struggled. But, I mean, he they threw him the ball a ton. So he's a guy that, that has seen targets. Um, and, I, I I mean, if I'm coming out and I'm looking at it and I got Kyler in the gun with Connor next to him, I got these two tight ends in there, then Hollywood on the outside and A.J. Green, I'm liking my chances. There's a lot of options there with that offense. Um, and and I'd, I'd like to see him play McBride early on. I don't think he's going to cut heavily into Ertz's. So I, I don't think it's one of those things where Ertz is going to see a lot less uh, um, targets because of it. So I like them both. Uh, I like McBride probably more as a player and potential this year than he probably is as far as a high-end um, fantasy guy. But but I'm all in on Ertz. I mean, I think I think he easily uh, right behind um, Kittle could be the best tight end in this division. And if he stays healthy, you've seen the problems Kittle's had. Who knows what's going to happen with Lance? If I'm taking a tight end in this division, Ertz is my number one guy, and I'm probably taking for the price. Fant is maybe my number two guy uh, if I can get him a little late and not have to spend much on him. Kittle. Uh, Again, that's a tough buy for me. I like him a lot, but with the injuries and Lance, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him this year. I think you explained that perfectly. Where it's a perfect situation of older guys and newer guys coming in the league. This, I mean, they, they did a they did a real good job of balancing this roster here in, in Arizona. So that's if I was a, if I was a Cardinals fan, I'd be pretty happy about the future with with what they have set up here. Um, oh, I yeah. think if you're a Cardinals fan, you have this is the greatest team you've had 
almost ever. I mean, as as the Cardinals organization, I mean, going all the way back to the St. Louis days, I mean, this is the best team they've had in a really long time, especially if you're a fantasy fan. This is a super relevant fantasy team uh, with all the guys they have on offense. If you play IDP, they got a ton of stud defensive guys as well. But I I just think this is a fun team. I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, a lot of interesting games. you know, if I'm an Arizona fan, I'm I'm pumped and ready for the season, and I'm I'm thinking, sky's the limit. If we get uh, if we get a healthy Kyler, and and everybody else comes in and performs, I mean, this team could be super dangerous. Yeah. Uh, there's really uh, not much to say as far as the San Francisco 49ers are concerned because everybody knows that it's George Kittle and George Kittle only. He led the team when catch. I mean, he has like five catches a game every every game when he's healthy. The problem is, is that he's such an outstanding blocker. He's such a mentally, you know, horse blinder, just player of being savage on the field. He does everything that he's supposed to do as a football player. Not, and he's got the old school tight end mentality uh, to go with that. So he does get hurt because he's all over the place. He's blocking for guys downfield. He's blocking a run plays. He's blocking a receiving plays. He's catching the ball across the middle. He's, I mean, he's, he is fantastic across the board. Injuries are going to come to guys like that who are so involved in every play, but when he's on the field, he is fantastic. So you, I mean, it's not much to say here. It's George Kittle and that's it. There's nobody else on this team that's going to do anything if George Kittle goes down. So uh, that's it. But uh, other than that, you guys, that's all of our positions here. That's all the, uh, that's all we really kind of had to talk about. We're usually we talk about, with a lot of the people who are live around the stadiums they're at, we talk about what's so good about being in the stadium, but you guys are not really fans. Have you been to any of these stadiums yet? Any of you guys? I- no, I, uh, well, I was supposed to go, uh, we were supposed to go to Seattle for a game for my 40th birthday and then COVID happened. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> damn it. COVID. We're, we're postponing that off for a couple years. Uh, we'll go on 45 or something like that. I've been to Arizona. Uh, I've been to Arizona. I was there when, uh, they played the Bears, and it was about 107,000 degrees outside. So I and, and I'm fat, so it didn't work out very well. It was you, we walked about three miles to get to the stadium, and I felt like when I got there, I lost 17 pounds. When I walked in, the air conditioning was on inside the stadium. I was like, "Oh my god!" Because there's they have a retractable roof, and I'm like, "If that stadium, if that stadium, if that roof is open when I get in here, I'm leaving. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go watch it at the bar." <laughs> I was I was thinking the same thing. I, everything I hear about Arizona Stadium is it's a it's a super nice stadium, you know, high end everything nice. there. Uh, but yeah, the heat. I, I was the same way. I didn't have to go to a night game, or I'm like, please, please have that roof. Because <laughs> if I was sitting out at a noon game or a you know early afternoon game in that blazing sun, I would be Dude. melty. I I'd have to drink. 35 beers just to try to stay alive we were in the pool before the game at like nine in the morning it was already getting hot and i'm like holy cow like it's only supposed to be 117 here today i go what did you just say he goes oh it's only supposed to be 117 he's like it was like 127 last week i'm like 127 when it gets like 67 in my house i get i get start sweating you know yeah yeah it was terrible so, but that's, I've, I've, it was there. That's only of the four stadiums here. It's the only one I've been to. So, but, uh, um, so on the way out one more time, Seahawks, Dan, tell me about yourself, where everybody can find you at, what's going on, all the good stuff in uh, the, the Twitter community. All right. I'm at Seahawks, Dan eight. Uh, basically, uh, I'll be on IDP nation. I, I normally drop in there every once in a while to, uh, to bother Daryl mainly. And, uh, 
and pump up uh, Kyle a little bit. And uh, basically, I'll be doing the Eliminators. Uh, you can check out my pinned tweet if you want to sign up. Uh, I think J. Mike is the uh, offense-only um, celebrity. Uh, Dynasty Trip is our mixed uh, celebrity. And then um, Johnny the Greek um, is our IDP-only. Uh, we got spots in all three of those. Uh, they're ten bucks. Good fun. Uh, you know, John's John's bad word of best ball. Uh, draft and go. Uh, but uh, I, I just like to leave with uh, f the Niners, f the Cardinals, and f the Rams. And I don't care if I'm going two and fifteen this year. There you go. There you give go. Drew Lock a chance. Come there on, Seattle. Go. Give him a chance. Free Drew Lock. Yes. JT, tell me about yourself again. When, when about, you're, you're exactly two hours and five minutes away from my house, so l- let me know when I'm coming up there. Me and Kyle, I'll stop in Yorkville and grab Kyle. We'll come up there to the, to the bar. Do it. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime we want to do a draft there or anything like that, I'm always hosting at the the brewery and the restaurant. Uh, you follow me on Twitter, JT Orange. Uh, I'm on, on Twitter all the time, kind of interacting with people. Uh, I'm part of the Dynasty Theory uh, Discord with those guys. I do a lot of stuff on there for people that are in there, you know, jumping around, asking questions. I jump in a lot of the IDP talk, um, trying to get more of the Debbie C2C stuff. Uh, So a lot of people ask me questions about that that haven't actually played in those leagues because I've run a bunch of Dynasty IDP leagues for for quite a while now, and I do a bunch of different formats. So always can hit me up on there. And I'm also on gambling Twitter. So once the football season starts, uh, people like to refer to me as JT Parlay. I just cannot help but do parlays i'm mr three for four consistently three for four all the time on the parlays yeah. uh so every once in a while i'll get a winner in there but i go three for four a lot of times you just got to figure out which one i'm gonna lose and then go the opposite way on that one and then you're golden so uh, I'll, I'll post a lot of uh, bets and different things i i think on uh on my twitter page as well so anybody that got questions or want to send stuff over there uh feel free to hit me up i'm a sucker for 16 parlays that's what i do all the time like you know because i'm an idiot you know, so that's uh, I think I get that extra bump, that extra juice. It's just, oh, you gotta uh, throw that extra game in there, yeah, and it just really. takes it off. I, I, I love doing the four and five hockey and baseball parlays. I'm always into four or five of those. I keep trying to talk myself into Justin, just do a two team parlay in football, NFL, just two teams, do three two teamers instead of one six teamer, and you probably would have better odds uh, and end up winning because uh, my percentages are pretty high on my picks, but uh, too often I'm not winning the cash because I got them in a parlay. Right. Uh, Kyle, see us out here. Uh, man, appreciate you again having uh, having me on. It's always good hanging out with you and and uh, and talking some football with you boys tonight. Uh, you can check out the Fancy Football Smackdown. Had a, a little redraft primer show. Uh, earlier this week, again, you can find that podcast on the Dynasty Warzone feed. So just search Dynasty Warzone uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hopefully, you guys have probably seen the Warzone before with Memphis and Jerry. Those guys kill it uh, every single week. So if you're subscribed to that feed, the SmackDown will be in there twice a week through the month of August. I will show in there tomorrow, uh, Friday, the 5th of August, going through quarterbacks. Going to cover each of the positions, cover, have some more redraft fun. Got some guests lined up for this, this uh, month. And then, again, I'll be hammering some waiver wire stuff that's kind of my favorite thing to talk about in season so uh, i think that's really where the difference is made if you're if you're active on the wire if you're ahead of the game so uh, i do a waiver wire show kind of traditional and then i do a show called waiver wire sniping every saturday morning in essence it's kind of like a look ahead so you can grab guys for cheap before they hit the next day take flyers on guys like you know high value handcuffs those types of players so 
uh, do that in season. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Month Eight. If you're going to the Fantasy Football Expo, which is about a week away, I'm going to be there. So hit me up. Uh, I'd love to meet any of you guys in, in person. Uh, it's a good time. But uh, other than that, John, thanks again for having me on, man. Yeah, I was supposed to be at the expo myself. I got a ticket. I was ready to go. Awesome. And then my family decided to have a family reunion on uh, Saturday, Sunday of the same weekend as the expo. They didn't and, want to have it in Canton, Ohio. It would have been awesome. They would, <laughs> could have been sitting in Georgia's and got free, you know, cheap food. And Georgia's, was, baby. Georgia's was absolutely fantastic. For anybody going to the expo, it is an absolute blast. I uh, I really, really, really wish I can go back this year, but I will do everything I possibly can. I will make sure that I'm not at the family reunion next year if it's scheduled the same weekend. You know, so I will. I will have a few James and Ginger Rails in your honor. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, you guys, thanks so much for making part eight of this eight-part series. Uh, Absolutely fantastic. This is a commissioner evaluation podcast. It's what I do for fun. And uh, you guys make it awesome. So thanks for joining me this week. Thanks. Thank you. And we're out.